Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glassford, thanks so much for joining us again, for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Make sure you like and subscribe everything we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming up later on, I've got an awesome interview with my good friend, Mr. John Orlando, because it's the state of pro wrestling for August 2023 with some big shows coming up for All Elite Wrestling and the WWE. But first up, it is Baldur's Gate 3. It is coming out this weekend for PlayStation 5 and for PC. We'll talk about why it's not coming out yet for Xbox. That's coming up here in a few minutes. But right now, a man who loves his Baldur's Gate, a role-playing games phenomenon himself. He's a good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check him out today at lakerholics.com also as well every weekend he hosts the lakerholics spotlight it is jamie sweet jamie great to have you here my friend you wanted this time to talk some baldur's gate baldur's gate 3 again is a game that's coming out this weekend it's basically one of the oldest most uh i guess one of the most beloved Video game RPGs dating back to the days of PC in the 90s, whatnot, from my memory. Tell us your love about Baldur's Gate and why Baldur's Gate 3 could be one of the biggest under-the-radar hits of 2023. I don't even know if it's going to go under the radar, to be honest. So uh, it, but let's start at the beginning. Like you said, it's it, it goes all the way back to the turn of the century mm-hmm. uh, with Baldur's Gate 1. If you ever played Baldur's Gate 1 and you... You, you'll know, and you feel, well, let's start with this. Let's be honest. It started with my love for just Dungeons & Dragons in general. And I know you share Dungeons & Dragons love as well. And that's what Baldur's Gate does. It emulates everything from the world of Dungeons & Dragons. It takes that rule set, puts it into a video game with a, with a pretty complex storyline that evolves based on your choices. And you progress through the game and each choice takes you on a different path so that the game actually has quite a high degree of replayability, not just on the moral or, you know, social choices you make, but even just, like, what character you play. Like, any D&D lover will tell you, like, half the fun of D&D is coming up with an idea for your character and then letting that loose in this imaginary world and, you know, having fun. Uh and that's exactly what Baldur's Gate 3 is. It's, 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 it's basically taking as much as it possibly can of the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons rule set, which I, I like a lot. Uh, I did not like the 4th edition very, at all, to be honest. Like, there was nothing about it that I liked. Uh, it, I, I, I will, the only thing I'll say is that I think it maybe streamlines some aspects of the game a little too much. But that's what homebrewing is for. That, And if you don't know what homebrewing is, that's, well, I don't like this rule exactly as it's written. Or not like this exactly as it's written. So we're going to tweak things a little bit. Or I'm going to make up my own spells. Or whatever. You're making your own homebrew. You're going crazy. You're, you're taking the foundation of what is already a fun game. And you're putting your own little personal touch on it. That is, in essence, what Baldur's Gate 3 is out of the box. You are have access to a wide range of character classes and subclasses. Uh, you know, if you want to make a, a deep gnome gloom stalker or a drow elf warlock sorcerer aka sorlock uh they have multi-classing they have subclassing they have feats they have over 600 spells on launch like the game is massive it's it's a 122 gigabyte it takes up 122 gigs on the hard drive after install but now xbox is the one that everybody's been talking now that, about because... i don't think it's going to happen for i think licensing reasons same way starfield is only going to work on xbox and not PlayStation 4, at least probably for the first few months. Now, on well, the reaction, well, the actual reason why, is, as stated by the developers, is because a split screen co op, which is a feature in Baldur's Gate 3, which is going to be unique for PlayStation 5, PC owners, and the like, and even Mac when it comes to the Mac. Yep. It has to be the same for the experience itself for not only users of Xbox Series X, 
but the S, the cheaper version of this current generation of video games, which I have. I have an S. I do not have the X. So there's a mandate by Xbox that states you have to have every single feature for the X that you do the S and vice versa. And until you're able to go ahead and maximize it out for both those systems, you can't. they, they can't release the game. So it looks like it's not going to be until early next year for xbox owners at the time but they will get eventually their shot at Baldur's Gate. everybody everybody eventually releases on everything everybody gets everything eventually that's the law of that's the law of capitalism and economics and that's so fine. why are you looking so forward to it um well so early you've been access, talking to me for a month about doing this interview so I don't, why are you more than that i started i started playing this last year during or in 2020 during covid so when covid shutdown happened Obviously, everybody got bored. And then, lo, on my Steam banner, or on my GOG banner, I can't remember which one. I, I have it on GOG, so likely it was on GOG. There it was, Baldur's Gate 3, early access. And I was like, I love Baldur's Gate. I love Baldur's Gate 1. I love Baldur's Gate 2. I actually loved Icewind Dale and Icewind Dale 2 and Neverwinter Nights. And, and Temple of Elemental Evil was about where I was like, I don't know, the, the, the gameplay is getting a little chunky. It's... It's, it's very true to the rule set, but like it's not as fun to play. Like it just wasn't as smooth an experience, and I kind of I kind of dropped off there. Then I was like, early access, sixty bucks. What else am I doing with my time right now? I have a I have a, I have a Mac that can play it. It's available on Mac. It's a Mac I used to do like music editing stuff, so it's you know it's a decent computer, not the best graphics processor, but one that could handle the game. So I tried it out. You, you start as a captive on a mind flayer, not a and you escape the nautiloid, and then you adventure, trying to find out why this tadpole in your head is giving you psionic powers and headaches and allowing you to communicate with various people uh, in the realm. And that's that's how the game starts. That's all of early access. Is getting off the nautiloid is kind of like a tutorial, but it's an awesome tutorial. And then you're wandering around the wilds surrounding Baldur's Gate, you know, finding various, you know, saving druids if you want, or sabotaging druids. Right away, there's, like, a high degree of morality to the game, where, like, do you want to align with the goblin fort and sort of wipe out the druid grove? Do you want to align with the dark druids in the druid grove and shut everybody out? Or do you want to align with the druids and save the grove and probably end up destroying the goblins in the goblin fort? Although, you know, that's not a prerequisite. You can let everyone live and be kind of a pacifist. And so that in and of itself, and the fact that the way the game plays is like a combination of Skyrim and XCOM, and that you move through the world like you would through Skyrim, uh, Elder Scrolls. It's it's like if you do uh, if you or Fallout, the Fallout three or four, where you pull back the camera, and it's not a first person shooter view. It's a it's a third person kind of view where you're behind your character and you can move the camera around and stuff. Uh, but when combat starts, it hits initiative. And so then you have plenty of time to think about what you want to do. And as you level up, you might you might need a lot of time to like sit there and be like, okay, do I wanna do I wanna cast a spell? Do I wanna do I wanna do this? Do I wanna do that? And so what I loved about it was its its faithfulness to the rule set. Like I said, I enjoy the DD fifth edition rule set. It kind of brings it back to 3.5 a little bit with the skills and the the feats and things like that and it just doesn't make every character like a weird superhero in a fantasy world uh but it doesn't get rid of the f weird superhero in a fantasy world elements in fourth edition that were kind of cool where like if you could make an argument then this is we're going way in the weeds in D, &D on D, D stuff here so if you're not a D, D nerd you know maybe skip ahead like five minutes two minutes but what i liked about 3.5 was how in-depth it went with some of the minutiae Granted, that can slow the game down, especially with somebody who's a rules debater, somebody who's like, well, I'd like to debate this rule that you're trying to implement, or I'd like to debate the interpretation of this spell or whatever. And fourth edition was like, we're getting rid of all of that. We're making the game super simple, almost like a video game. And it was too simple. It was too watered down. And everybody, if you were a fighter, you had like a few different fighter powers to choose from. And that's basically what you did. And there wasn't as much flavor, I thought. I th what I like about fifth edition, it brings a little flavor back. But it still keeps that you're like this epic hero kind of element to it with like the feats and some of the abilities you get as you level up in the game. So 
that's what I, I mean, I love Dungeons and Dragons. I like, and at the time, the only way to play Dungeons and Dragons during COVID was over Roll20 or Zoom or, you know, some other VTT, uh, you know, I, I like Roll20, so I use Roll20, but a lot of people don't like Roll20. That's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but it's limited. You know, it's not the same feel of sitting around your table with your buddies, hanging out, rolling dice. And this game with its multiplayer, I, I have, you know, two of my oldest friends from high school, we each, we, you know, we're going to have a Baldur's Gate campaign. We're going to, we're going to take, we're, we're going to each have a guy. We're going to multiplayer. You're going to have to four people in your party. Uh, although I think there are modders out there that have figured out in early access. I'm sure it'll take them a lot longer to mod the actual game, but there are mm-hmm. modders out there who have added, a, you can have six parties, six party members, uh, which actually feels a little unfair based on the encounters uh, as they're currently constructed. Uh, although they do have uh, a difficulty level slider that is supposed to make the game nigh impossible to get through, uh, but as they and one of the, but as they've gone through early access, they keep upgrading the game, and all we've ever had access to is an incomplete version up to this point, an incomplete version of Chapter One, which in and of itself is a very satisfying game. It doesn't end, but like when you play it, you like having these really fun battles, or you're discovering these really interesting facts, or finding these really interesting people who are, you know, these NPCs and various characters in, in the area that you explore, they're just mm-hmm. kind of interesting. And the choices and dilemmas you encounter are, are very interesting. And so, like, that aspect of the game I find very enjoyable personally. And, again, I'm a huge D&D fan, role-playing game and general fan, uh, but D&D number one. And I, it, it just, it just, it's it's like playing D&D. And, mm-hmm. but it's, there's no DM. There's nobody to argue with. <laughs> you just got to play and you just got to do your best. And if there's that guy in your party who like, you know, who you play with, who's like, I, I move ahead of the group like a hundred yards. And everybody's like, wait, where are you going? And he's like, oh, well, now you're, now you're fighting a giant, a horde of giants alone. That can be replicated here. You can, you know, some people can be standing around reading something. Some just can just start walking away. The, the game, the map is huge. Uh, there's a lot of verticality to the map, which adds a lot of fun uh, that doesn't really come across in a tabletop edition of D&D as well. Uh, and Larian has just done, you know, they've done, they produce some really great games over the year. If you're a fan of Divinity Original Sin, uh, you might even get kind of an early, I hadn't ever played that game until I played Baldur's Gate 3. And I went back and played a little bit of Divinity Original Sin. I haven't finished that game, which I, I, I ought to at some point. But Right away, I was like, oh, there's very similar elements to between the two games, uh, both in terms of humor, but also the way the game is designed and, like, your your interaction with the world around you. Like, how you discover things and they're like, oh, there's, like, a, a weird hole here. I can dig up a chest. That's interesting, you know? So it's 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 just a super a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and it, like I said, the game in early access was already quite satisfying. Uh, you go into the Underdark. You go, you know, you, you, there's, it's, it's D and D, and we're, and you end up. It looks like you end up, you know, trying to save or destroy or just kind of get by in Baldur's Gate, the city itself. Yeah. Um, which, if you're a fan of the actual like Dungeons and Dragon lore, and you've read Dungeons and Dragons books like the R. A. Salvatore, Dritz Dorden series, or you know anything with Elminster or any of those guys, or anything Forgotten Realmsy you're going to recognize a lot of these landmarks and a lot of these characters, you know, Volo's in the game and he's hilarious. You know, there's all these cool things about the game that I have just as a D and D fan and a fan of like fantasy in general, have just already in early access gotten a tremendous amount of fun with. And I, you know, I put well over 300 hours into the early access part of the game, just messing with combinations of characters. And there's not even multi-classing yet in early access. That's only going to come with the full really. So, uh-huh. Are you upset about the fact that you're not going to be able to take all that work that you've made over the course of 300 hours? You're going to have to play it from the start, fresh. No. With every update, the game is patched, like major patches. I think I came in on patch three and like right away patch four dropped. And like every time a new patch drops, they say, just to let you know, your old saves are no longer compatible. You're starting over. They've prepped you for this moment all along. And they've not made any promises that all of this is going to carry over. Two, the full game has features of it too that we haven't had access to. In a way, I've been using early access as practice. I've been in the gym. I've been working on my skills. I got my crossover step back ready. 
I got my up and under layup, you know, around the rim ready. And I've got a, you know, elbow into the, into the defender, pivot around, not an offensive foul. It's just a nice spin move ready. And now when the game drops, I'm going to be able to utilize these tools and make what I will, I believe will be a very fun character to play. For me, this is kind of a perfect blend of those two, because like you can explore the world and then when combat hits, it's initiative. And like you think about your turn, then the next guy goes, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll see if we ever get to play together. We'll see indeed, but I would love the opportunity to do so. It is Jamie Sweet. You can catch his regular work at Lakerholics.com under the Five Things articles. Tremendous. And of course, everything that he does for us, the Lakers fast break, whether he stops by for one of our post games, stops by for one of our regular conversations, or he hosts Lakerholics Spotlight. Hopefully we'll get a chance to go ahead and see that this weekend as well. So Jamie, appreciate so. all your time. Looking forward to seeing what happens with Baldur's Gate 3 to see if it gets the kind of love from gamers that you have for it. Looking forward to hearing what's going on with the game coming up very soon right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. It is the state of pro wrestling for August 2023. And as I told told my fellow host, he, I I just guess, I'm going to say that again. As I told my fellow host, man, that almost sounds like toast. As I told my fellow host, John Orlando from the PVD cast before we went on the air. This could be one of the biggest months ever for pro wrestling. And I didn't think I would say that not too long in the past, but here today to talk about all the good things that are going on in pro wrestling. Good man, indeed. You got to go ahead and check them out today at the pvdcast.com. It is John Orlando. John, great to have you here, my friend. Uh, Three years ago, four years ago, when AEW started, I kind of dismissed them. I kind of thought it was going to be a company where it was going to be you had a rich owner who was going to tire of spending the cash. And really, it's something that we've seen before in pro wrestling where you just have those deep pockets that only go so deep. And the thought that, well, okay, you know what? We're out of here after we just be way too much as far as the overhead is concerned. But flash forward four years later. AEW is on the verge of great success, their greatest success of all time, coming up here later this month in London at All In. 70,000 tickets are already sold. It could be a crowd well in excess of 80,000 at Wembley Stadium. You have also WWE SummerSlam coming up here this weekend. It's a great time to be a fan of pro wrestling. I think that this month is going to be a stellar month for professional wrestling. I do have some concerns about both of those big events that we just talked about. Uh, AEW's big event at Wembley Stadium and, of course, Survivor Series. I'm sorry, SummerSlam. SummerSlam this uh, weekend. But, hey, you know what? You never can tell what's going to happen. You know, you can you can sit here and you can make predictions and give your opinion and your insights. But eventually, you got to see the product, uh, you know, right in front of your eyes you know what? Can, can we just talk real quick about maybe my main concern when it comes to AEW? Of course. Let's go ahead. Let's go to our first with AEW. Again, their big show upcoming later this month at All In London. They now have three shows they have to go ahead and take care of, along with Ring of Honor. And we've seen so far some of the storylines in AEW. Let's take example the rise of Ricky Starks, for instance, one of the first topics we want to talk about. Is Ricky Starks at the level where he needs to be heading to the biggest show all time for AEW? He's been brought on with this extra show on Saturday nights uh, right there for the TNT TBS audience in Collision. He's been brought up alongside CM Punk, got a win on CM Punk, and then actually they're going to go ahead and face off one more time in the not-too-distant future for the championship belt that CM Punk never lost. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Ricky Starks is being positioned as a major individual in this company, which is something AEW has tried to do. They've tried to push their pillars, even though all of them tried to now avoid that word in their interviews with MGF, Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, 
and now Ricky Starks, among others. You know, you're talking about individuals that they've tried to catapult into stardom to be at the level of the CM Punks of the world the, and all the other individuals, the John Moxley's, you know, the, all the other name brands that they have on that roster. So where do you see them going ahead with this as far as AEW all in? I have told you many times off air and sometimes even on this show that I'm a fan of Ricky Starks. I think that he has a lot of potential. We talked off air before we started this live broadcast. What is Ricky Starks? Is he a heel? Is he a face? It's he's kind of indeterminate. He's been, he's been heel face, heel face back and forth for his entire career in AEW. I see him as a very strong secondary contender right now. When I mean secondary title contender, you know, I don't see him wearing the world championship anytime soon. I think he has the potential to once he gets his character kind of all the way ironed out. I still feel like maybe he's not a hundred percent comfortable with the, the, the character just yet, but I think he's, he's fantastic. I don't like how this whole CM Punk Ricky Starks thing was booked why aren't we trying to unify the two quote world titles why was that not a priority when punk came back i know they've had the plans with with adam cole and and mjf being a team but i feel like if i was running the show a minute that we got everything squared away with punk we gotta unify those two belts like we've always done in the past we've and, and you and I disagree. I like the idea of interim champions when an injury happens. You do not, and I, I can understand that. But dealing with it like this puts me on your side, Gerald, that I don't like this idea of interim champs. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just uh, it's not a way unless you have a certain goal because the reason why the <laughs> interim champ was made in the first place was under auspices, uh, very, very suspicious circumstances, to say the least, in, in regards to everything that happened there. But the other main storyline, along with the rise of Ricky Starks for Ollie Wrestling, has been the continuous storyline for Adam Cole and MJF, who recently failed in their bid as a, a, a team that was brought together that have become on screen, on camera, the best of friends. And it looks like that they're both uh, still headed for a a major match, a feud, some type of breakup at some point in time was teased to be happened when they lost the chance to go ahead and re, you know win the tag titles here on a recent edition when surprisingly MJF took the fall. Your thoughts, though, on this uh, better than you, baby, pairing <laughs> between MJF and Adam Cole. Okay, it's not an original storyline. We've seen it in the past. We've seen yeah. it with 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 mankind and and Steve Austin and uh, Austin and Michaels and and X Pac and Kane. We've seen it a million times. But I will say that I feel like it's been the one of the most entertaining things on AEW TV recently because you had two very opposite uh, individuals and and MJF kind of being the whiny, sniveling little you know, heel, but yet still trying to baby face it up. I liked it. It's been very, very well done. It's given something to do with even Roderick Strong. So he's got, you know, something to kind of do uh, with the storyline. I mean, let me ask you this. Could it be also a situation where they're lacking in credible challengers to MJF? So they're trying to drag this thing out with Adam Cole to try and elevate him to the status where people believe he is a credible challenger because you don't have as much behind him that MJF already hasn't beaten. Oh yeah, no doubt. It's to build Adam Cole so that those two can turn on each other as every one of these tag teams do. We know it's inevitably going to happen, but I think that they're doing that definitely. In lieu of what I just complained about, your automatic storyline should have been unifying two world titles, but I digress. Um, Yeah, obviously I think they are primed and, and getting... Adam Cole ready to be um, the next contender for MJF. I, I don't know how I would feel about that matchup. I think it would be an interesting matchup. Um, I, I feel at times I don't like the psychology of Adam Cole, but that's neither here nor there. So I hope that when they start this feud and when they start the series of matches, that we get a really solid psychologically sound matchup between the two of these. And I think that we would 
especially with MJF. I think he's got he's clued into the psychology of big big matches. That's funny because again, you're seeing more of a subdued MJF with this pairing right there. The the gag that they wanted to go ahead and finish off every match with a double clothesline <laughs> was absolutely hilarious as far as that's concerned. Because if you've lo- long watched the pro wrestling industry, you know the double clothesline has always been a major source of failure and a major source of uh, if they're the other individual that they're trying to clothesline for them to go ahead and you know, break it up in a way to gain the advantage, so to speak. So the double clothesline spot in every match has seemingly been a source of an inside joke to the entire industry, as it were. But MJF has sort of been playing subdued, which, again, I was kind of worried at first because does it take some pressure heat off him and the, the tremendous amount he has given to this organization as a drawing champion? But I see that with the way that the storyline is working out, they've made it interesting to the point where I now want to watch to see what happens mm-hmm. next. I agree. That was, as I as I mentioned to you as well off air, this was the first episode of Collision I watched. I, I had just have it because on Saturday nights, there's always something going on. And so this this uh, Saturday night, I sat down and watched it. And I the reason being is I wanted to see FTR against uh, you know MJF and Cole. I wanted to see that match. I like three out of those four. I, I'm, I'm mediocre on my love of Adam Cole, but the other three I dig. And so, you know, you're talking about drawing. There you go. I was invested. I wanted to see if uh, MJF and Cole would break up. Absolutely. I I would have been too soon in my book. So I agree. I agree with you that the stadium show should be a unification match between CM Punk or Ricky Starks and MJF or Adam Cole. I think it should uh, lead to the unification of, that title and it should be something at the culmination of which that would be great to have that as far as a lasting image of sure you can have the adam cole mjf title match which will probably looks like it's going to happen for the better than you baby type of match but i really think that the title unification match between the cm punk championship and the mjf championship that would be the ultimate i agree with you on that as far as solidifying it into one championship unified which you know i'm a very much of a stickler on that they should have in pro wrestling yeah and what a bigger draw i mean you know cm punk is known all around the world so he's coming to wembley stadium he's going to be taking on the the other champion the guy that's been there that has held down the fort even in the absence of of punk and he's the loud mouth and he's this and that I mean, that right there is by rate city. Mm-hmm. If you have those two and you hype it up correctly and you book it correctly, I mean, that right there is, is you're just printing money at that point. So um, I ask you, my friend, we have not talked about AEW here as a contender to the throne, as someone, as, a, as an entity that has garnered to a point, they grew and then they stopped as far as their level of attendance of people watching on a weekly basis, they were able to go ahead and successfully add a Saturday show. I think at the cost of the Friday show, I think eventually Mm -hmm. that Friday show rampage is doomed because of what they're doing on Saturday. And then whatever they're doing with ring of honor, it's just beyond me, but okay, whatever. But when it comes to the imprint that they leave on people, do you think this will be a catapult to them competing on a a more even basis than WWE? (laughs) Ooh, that's a very good question. It depends on the momentum that they create with the event and then the follow-up. Again, as we've said many times, if you're trying to build a fan base and move that bar up, you have to do these other things. You have to be more interactive. So I, I, I say if they follow up with another big stadium show, okay. I want to see consistency I don't think that this is going to catapult them to nipping at the heels, so to speak, of the WWE. It, I mean, who could nip at the heels of the WWE, Gerald? That's the question. I don't there even know. There was one company that did for 83 weeks, as I've been reminded <laughs> by Eric Bischoff. Uh, on True. True, but I'm just saying that currently, in the last 20 years, has there been anyone that could really – anyone? I mean, barring the NFL or UFC or – one of the other sports leagues, I I don't know if there's anyone. I don't know if that's a fair comparison to say 
well, they're going to use Wembley Stadium to catapult them to being behind the WWE, but they're going to be a little bit closer to the WWE. I don't, I don't know. That's a very difficult question to answer. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Once again, it is John Orlando from the PVD cast. He is here for State of Pro Wrestling for August 2023. And it wouldn't be a State of Pro Wrestling in August 2023 without talking about WWE SummerSlam coming this weekend. <laughs> Speaking of another stadium show, it's a smaller mm-hmm. stadium show. It's going to be about 45 to 50,000 people, uh, in not the big, huge numbers of Wembley Stadium. But I'm not saying that doesn't mean that the WWE can't compare with AW because I bet if WWE promoted a show in Wembley Stadium right now, they would get 80,000 people to show up. That's, that's how much I'm convinced on their success at the point of time because their ratings are are still doing pretty good, comparatively speaking. So I ask you, my friend, heading into WWE SummerSlam, the first thing I want to ask you was a long gestating feud between Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch that was supposed to culminate for many months in a final match, uh, final match for Trish Stratus for a while. Uh, or maybe a retirement match, who knows, has now been pulled off. Before I run down the card, my friend, and talk about other things in the WWE, your thoughts on that match being pulled? It's an interesting decision. And one that I can't justify one way or the other, to be honest with you. But let me give you the card right now as it stands, which it looks like it's going to be the case. It is going to be, like you said, the SummerSlam Battle Royale. MMA rules, Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. I would have actually taken this one off in lieu of that one personally because I think that there was more storyline built up for Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch match instead of this one. Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Now, I understand why that's going on in this venue because of Logan Paul, but come on. You, you, you're selling out the stadium without Logan Paul. It wasn't necessarily needed. Triple threat match for WWE Women's Championship. Asuka versus Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. The Intercontinental title match with Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre. The World Heavyweight Championship, which is not the World Heavyweight Championship in my eyes. Seth Rollins defends against Finn Balor because... The only reason why they're defending it is because Roman Reigns only defends it once every, what, quarter... <laughs> Cody Rhodes again versus Brock Lesnar. Yes, I know he defended in Mexico City recently. So that's that's uh, toned down, toned down. Tribal combat match for the WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Now, this bloodline feud has really kept it going as far as the ratings. Mm-hmm. People are still interested. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm no longer interested in it because I'm now seeing the matches that we saw at the front end of this feud or remember when they were feuding before mm-hmm. and Jay Uso was, was feuding before, before they all got together to create the bloodline and head the table and all that stuff. So I'm now seeing the matches on the back end that I saw them the front end, but that's okay. It's getting the people interested. It's a storyline that clicks your thoughts on the main event, Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns. Well, it's interesting because I I've, I've read that Roman has not been advertised for future PLEs. Uh, I think what, is fast lane next or yeah backlash or whatever it's one of those throwaway PLEs yeah. but he has he's not being advertised for the next few and i'm sure that a lot of people are like oh that means you can put the title on jay no they're not no they're not why do you think <laughs> they created that world title in the first place for right. Seth Rollins? exactly he's not people if you're thinking that you're foolish i'm just going to say that roman reigns is going to win he's going to disappear go do his side project Comes back. I, I could see them doing some type of an injury angle. He wins the match, but oh my goodness, the damage to his knee or the damage to his shoulder or elbow. Or he's got to take time off, you know. And that would make Jay look like a world beater, so to speak. You know, that he injured Roman Reigns, but Jay's not getting the title. Or, or you did forget also, he's not going to get the recognition of tribal chief. So, yes. 
because that's apparently that's a, a thing. <laughs> that is a thing, according to fans out there. So I don't want to underestimate it. It is very, okay. you know, I mean, the storyline is very popular. Right. The bloodline yeah. is still getting people in every week. That storyline. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, as much as I'm not no longer a fan of it after the breakup of, of what went on, uh, I've just said, okay, I'm done with it. But a lot of people are not done with it. And I have to respect that because, again, if it's a storyline that continues clicking, uh, more power to them on that. Rhea Ripley isn't even on the card. So I know that Becky Lynch is still talking about, you know, probably upset about, about what went on. Rhea Ripley uh, isn't mm-hmm. even on the card with her world championship uh, to defend on, on the card, which is kind of strange indeed because she is one of the most trending superstars right there for you. It's the fact that she's probably the best part of, of Judgment Day at this point in time because uh, Damian Priest, and you know, despite the fact he won Money in the Bank, absolutely does nothing for me. And I really don't think that that he's going to be an individual that you can put a lot of money on, but I, I'm hopefully I'm wrong on that. But your thoughts though, on the rest of the card, my friend, obviously the triple threat match with Oscar defending against Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, you know, I'm a huge Oscar fan, but when it comes to Oscar this time around, I'm glad to see that she's been able to maintain a, <laughs> a title run without having to lose 50 non-title matches in between. I'm glad the fact that she's been able to maintain it. The question is, I think she retains but the question is, will EO Sky go ahead and cash in as she's promised to do, or will it get broken up to start a feud between her and, of course, the breakup of damage control with Bailey? I'm still waiting eagerly for an EO Sky versus Asuka match. Oh, I'd love to see that. You know, I I'd think, love to see that. I, that. That would be unbelievable like those two going at it and but they can't do that because she has the case on her right now correct yes so that that is the problem with that particular scenario so maybe a feud with bailey would be fine i don't know the money in the bank but i think that that was that's where it's leading to me in my estimation Mm -hmm. well i wouldn't be heartbroken if eo sky cashed in beat oscar then oscar chases her for the belt i think that that would be an amazing way to kind of set that up uh is is dakota kai anyways near set to come back I've or she's still anything. i think she's still out yeah uh because i was gonna say that could be something that they could kind of work in i i, I think they're going to keep the belt on asuka uh i have a feeling that charlotte and bianca are probably going to have some type of tiff in the match you know and then that's going to maybe lead to one of them those. yeah I, and then I a feud between those two and that's to me is good because that's again you're you have layered a SmackDown women's side is so much more stacked with quality yeah. drawing ladies that can go ahead and gain interest from an audience than the raw side. So it's good to see that they can build layers there. Raw only has like I can count on less than one hand the number of individuals there as far as on the women's roster on that side that can really really, you know, uh, continue on, uh, you know, the ratings and continue on the interest for fans. That's why Rhea Ripley can stay dominant for a while, like like Roman Reigns, because, you know, outside of Becky Lynch and, uh, you know, what's going on, Tristratus, but Tristratus probably will be going back into to retirement. And then you have not much to speak of after that. So I understand what's going on with Rhea Ripley there. And then you have also as well with the MMA match, which I think, again, I don't know why this needs to be on there. I, I understand that they have a feud. Ronda Rousey's on her way out, and she wants some one last big moment uh, against Shayna Baszler. So I think she's going to do the favors for Shayna Baszler in the MMA match. Your thoughts on this match real quickly? I really enjoyed their promos last night. Those video packages last That's night were really well stuff. done. That's yeah, some of their best stuff. That's some of their best Yes, 100%. Like, I sat there, Gerald, and go, where has, he, where has this passion, this energy where has this been the entire because time? Good friends. That's why. That's why. But um, I think that this match, if they let them go and work a little bit tighter, I think that this could be a amazing match. However, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think anybody's going to green light them working snug. Um, so it's just going to be a, a throwaway match that now that you mentioned it could have been uh an, an amazing match to main event raw or to do to the next ple rather than putting it here and put that becky lynch trish stratus match in its place 
Again, it's just, uh, you know, the something where we will probably see Ronda Rousey on her way out because of her dissatisfaction, I guess, with the company as a whole. So we're, we're going to see her probably out at the hands of Shayna Baszler, her good friend in real life. And so we'll see what, what happens there. But re- rounding out the rest of the card, uh, again, you have for the World Heavyweight Championship, which to me is not a World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins against Finn Balor. Do you see a breakup of the Judgment Day because Damian Priest currently has the men's money in the bank? So do you see him trying to cash in at all? Do you see him taking advantage? Do you see him gaining the title out of this in regards to what's going to go on at SummerSlam? Oh, I don't think that they want to break up the Judgment Day just yet because I think that they are maybe not as equally hot as the Bloodline. But they're close. but, But they're very close. I don't think you break up the Judgment Day just yet. Damian um, Priest just doesn't do it for me, man. I'm sorry. I'm just going to yeah. say that out loud. You, you know what? That's okay because for years and years and years when he was in Ring of Honor, he did nothing for me. I think he's gotten really good over the last two years. Good worker. Good worker. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think the character's improved too. I, I, I like the character as it is right now. Um, but I think that I think he holds on to that that money in the bank mat or money in the bank briefcase and i wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the ones that cash in and then don't win that could be a surprise as well although again in the hindsight and giving him over la night is just beyond me the logistics <laughs> in that it just i can't understand that still to this day how how that happened because i understand the judgment day is is very strong and i know they needed something for the raw side but just to not have la night not win not win and not win is something we'll touch on before we head on the uh, we before we head on out. But you do also have Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre. Do we really think Drew McIntyre has a chance against Gunther? He did. He couldn't do it in a three way at WrestleMania. Why have him do it here? I am so bored with this idea. I I when they announced it, I'm like, oh, oh really? We're gonna get this again? Look, I have nothing against Drew McIntyre. He's okay. I don't don't I'm not a big fan, but I don't hate him. He's okay. But I'm just tired of of him taking on, you know, Gunther. We've already seen it. Put Gunther in there. I think that Gunther's match with Chad Gable was pretty darn entertaining. Yeah. Why not redo that at SummerSlam? You know, and, and I don't know. I'm not that's, I'm not the problem is though, when you put someone kept someone so low. For such a long period of time, it's very hard mm-hmm. to, to pull them out. Although we will talk about that at the end of the show with somebody who has pulled himself out despite you know the roadblocks put against him. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar is supposed to be one of the big matches on the card. Cody Rhodes coming off his uh, autobiography, the the movie that the American Nightmare that came out recently, that was you know major press for it. Uh, he's he's doing a lot of promos for it at this point in time. Obviously, he still has the big match coming up against Brock Lesnar, the rubber match between those two, most likely since that uh, Montana ranch is calling for Brock Lesnar. That means that Cody Rhodes will probably pick up the win since he's there on a regular basis. Your thoughts, does this do anything for Cody Rhodes if he beats Brock Lesnar on Sunday? Well, I did like the video recaps last night on Raw. I'd like to give props right there first. You know what? At first, I really did not like... This matchup, this feud, this storyline, but it's grown on me, Gerald, because at least it's it's what we saw in the 80s. Hogan's the champion. We need to bring in a big monster. Let's bring in Big John Studd or Earthquake or you know what I mean? So they're, they're doing the same thing. Let's bring in the big monster for Cody to slay. So I think partly because a Cody's had really great promos during this storyline. I think that that's helped turn me to, you know, actually caring about this match. I think the fact that Cody has shown in every altercation, he doesn't have an answer for Brock Lesnar. I think that that is intriguing and has turned my opinion around uh, about this particular matchup. I'm curious to see how is Cody going to win? Obviously, as you mentioned, Cody's winning. I don't think there's any second guessing on that um, because – Brock's. What good? What, yeah. What does it do for Brock? Nothing. Because he's, he's Nothing. gone yeah. for months, anyways. Yeah. So I, I think that the, I think they've done a very good job. Everybody involved, they've done a great job of making me care. Because at the beginning, 
when he during the tag match and he turned on him and that week after I'm like I don't care about this this is dumb but they've done a great job of turning my opinion around so I'm I'm looking forward to the match to be honest you're listening to the pop culture cosmos if you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than Retro City Games from Xbox to PlayStation Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Ricochet is still one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE, but he's in a no-win situation mm-hmm. against a, a guy who they're paying a lot of money to to go ahead and just show up on the card because he has a huge YouTube following. Your thoughts on Logan Paul versus Ricochet? Do you really have any? I understand that they're going to do a couple at you know very, <laughs> very athletic spots that's going to trend on social media and all that, but. He said, as he said, he wants to be first or second on the card because his brother fights later in the night. So, you know, his mind will be elsewhere. Could that distract him from having a good match? Mm, that could. Uh, it, that, I didn't even know his brother was, was fighting that yeah, same his night. So fighting, he, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's getting on a private plane. You already talked about going. Yeah. All that. Yeah. The life yeah. of, you know, a, a millionaire. There you go. Yeah. Well, must be nice. Um, must be nice. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that this match is going to have a lot of highlights, a lot of flipping, flying, you know, crazy maneuvers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a announce table gets flattened right out of the gates. I, I think it's going to be more of a, a spectacle than, than a classic wrestling match, but we'll see. We'll see indeed. But once again, it is John Orlando from the PVD cast. But before he tells you why you need to go ahead and check out the PVD cast, the guy who I think should win the SummerSlam Battle Royale in order to appease the 50,000 people that are there chanting L.A. Knight, yeah, and cheering him and buying all of his merchandise and all that, is L.A. Knight, who will be part of the SummerSlam Battle Royale as a way to shoehorn him in there along with several others, which I think, again, why L.A. Knight is at the top of this card is still beyond me. Because as someone who has observed and watch pro wrestling for decades now, since the 70s. I think that to me, this is an opportunity that you don't get too often. And you've had it twice this year with Sami Zayn, and you decided not to pull the trigger on that, and you blew it, and now he's just another guy. You have the situation where LA Knight is going over huge, my friend. And despite all the people that are on their lawn, all these older wrestlers that are on their lawn saying, oh, he's so much like The Rock and Steve Austin, blah, 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 blah. I can't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's funny because, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, older wrestlers were saying the same things about them when they were hitting it big. But need I digress for a second here? It's ironic how it always spins around, isn't it, my friend? Yes, it is. It is very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this, when it comes to LA Knight, you know, is he like, is he doing a Stone Cold ripoff? Is he doing a rock ripoff? Is he doing a combination of each? He's talked about the influence that Mm -hmm. they've had in his life. So to quote, to quote the rock himself, it doesn't matter what you think, what we think. The fact is the WWE universe thinks he's awesome and loves everything that this man is doing right now. This man has actually took a, you know, if you watched what he's done, as I told you on last month, I've been watching, I was watching a lot of old uh, Eli Drake, his old persona type stuff throughout NWA, throughout uh, TNA, Impact, all that stuff, NWA. And I saw that character developing into what we have today. A lot of the mannerisms and things that he was saying before, he's just built up into one big collection that he's grabbing from today. This is 20 years of his work all put together finally to build a nice chicken salad after it was all over the place before. It is now coming to success despite WWE's transgressions, despite rumors that they thought he was too old, which is hilarious to me because some of their champions, Asuka, 
and some others. Edge, you know, there are others in their late 30s and 40s. Anyways, Roman Reigns, they're all in their late 30s and, and early 40s anyways. So why should it bother you that they want to push him at, in his, you know, early 40s to just still be on me? So I ask you, my friend, you know, someone that they need to push because there is no star that has been as huge and gotten over as huge as he has in a long time, maybe even the, you know, the height of Cena. What are your thoughts on, on how they should go ahead forward? Do you think they'll blow it when it comes to LA night? L a night. Yeah. I would like to just point out that as you started with your diatribe there, I do find it funny that the old guys are making fun because, Don't you hey, think so? I mean, it's just like, you know, it is because superstar Billy Graham, Hogan borrowed from, took from him. Ventura took from him. But they so, all took from Buddy Rogers. They right. from Buddy Rogers, and Buddy Rogers probably took from somebody. Yeah, it's just yeah. It, it's it, it. That's the nature of this business. You like see Clint. something that works, and you take it and you tweak it. So it's I, like Clint I, Eastwood getting out on the lawn at Grand Torino, barking at somebody because of you know you know they, yeah. they don't like about they don't like it anymore. They well, do the same thing themselves. Exactly. And you 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 know what? There's another great example. How many actors, their early roles of playing a character are terrible. They finally find what works for that character. I mean, I digress on that note. I, I said it this way in my notes. I put down, are they going to mess this up? I said yes. Now, I think the chances of them messing this up are better. Last month, Two months ago, three months ago, Gerald, I would have said there is a 20% chance that LA Knight is going to be a superstar because the WWE is going to screw this up, right? There's a 20% chance he's going to rise to the top. I say now there's a 50-50 shot, which I know people are listening or watching and going, that's do you a think terrible. You drag out to, well, do you think, it, I think it's great. I think it's yeah. great that you have the most popular star that would be at the head of China. I think he should be Roman Reigns. I think he should be Seth Rollins. I think he should have the world title. That's what you need to do is put the most popular star, the best, the biggest face forward while he's hot. Sell and bring in the most money you can at the most opportune time. It, it serves you no purpose that he is going to continue to do this in the mid-card fashion. It's nice now. But he, if you continue to push him and put him in the mid card, he is not going to go ahead and continue to give you that kind of residual income. You have to make sure. Okay, maybe they're doing the slow build to WrestleMania. That's my next question. Do you, if they are doing the slow slow build to WrestleMania, do you see that ultimately happening where they pay it off correctly with a huge victory at WrestleMania for L.A. Knight? Yeah. Similar to the boyhood dream comes true. I mean, that would be a great storyline. That would be awesome that if they continue to build Survivor Series coming up, you know, soon, there's an opportunity where he could have a big victory. All right. Maybe not as big, maybe not as big as, as, as a WrestleMania moment, but that could propel him in. You have, you also have Royal Rumble where he, heck, how awesome would it be if he won the Royal Rumble? Even if he doesn't have any other success, you know, or major success. I would put him in the Royal Rumble. I would have him win it. And then I would have him win the world title. I would not have him win any side titles because he's talked about how he wants to win titles and and any titles, U.S. title, intercontinental titles. No, I would have him focus. I would have somebody come on air and tell him to refocus his attempts because he could be the megastar. In order to be the megastar, you need to get the mega prize. Yeah, agreed. And you know what? That would be a great backstage vignette. And we don't have too many backstage vignettes that are great, by the way. But anyways, that would be a great one if you had one of the legends. Hey, kid, let me tell you something, L.A. Knight. You know, and 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 that that would, number one, it would give validity. Like, people sitting at home would go, oh, that's, I don't know, I'll pick a random legend. Oh, that was Shawn Michaels telling him that he could win the title. Well, Shawn Michaels would know because of, you know, the boyhood dream come true. Like, that would make perfect sense. That would be that would stoke interest. I mean, like I said, I feel there's a 50-50 shot that they screw this up, which was better than a few months ago. Um, but I mean, come on, when you're number one, what is it? One, three, four, and five in merchandise. I mean, come on, you're, you're making boo boo bucks, 
And by the way, let's just uh, I say I have a desire to buy a, a Yeah shirt for the WWE shirt for the first time in decades since since I bought the you know, Roddy Piper hot rod shirt. So that'll tell you out there how much okay. I, I have, I'm into the character myself. Well, and, and I was going to say, some of those designs are not great. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple that I'm like, ooh. That's who would, holding that back a little bit. So. Yeah, some of the designs are a little bit, I don't know. They're a little bit out there. Now, I would not be wearing them. But nonetheless, I, they, they, I keep wanting to believe that they're not going to screw this up. I hope that they don't. I feel like he deserves it. I mean, we. we I know that that's he's paid his dues. Nobody he's can't. Paid his, say, yeah, nobody can't say he hasn't paid his dues. No, and he's solid in the ring. But uh, the idea behind that, whoever thought if there is true that WWE thought he was too old, is absolutely ludicrous. Again, yeah. I mentioned Oscar. You're talking about Charlotte Flair's in her mid 30s. You're talking about Roman Reigns is in his mid 30s. Edge, you have still at a prominent spot, and he's closer to 50. So don't tell me all these wrestlers that are out there with most of them in their. Th- what did Ric Flair say a long time ago about a wrestler at his peak? A wrestler is at his peak in his mid 30s to his early 40s. That's when he's learned the craft long enough to go ahead and still be at enough at a physical peak at an athletic peak to go ahead and have your mm-hmm. best matches right there. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only one that has said that. I remember Steve Austin stating it took him seven years to finally get it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's puts him in his late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. I don't know. Fingers crossed that they don't mess this up. And I mean, yes. They blew it with Sami Zayn. They absolutely blew it with Sami Zayn. I still thought they should have done a short title run with him. And they didn't. I think that would have been huge for Canada and the merchandising and, and the, the just the feedback in Canada and positive goodwill. Amongst also as well, the locker room. You also should have peased the locker room because I have a feeling a win by Sami Zayn would have gone over really, mm-hmm. really well in that locker room. Well, oh. if that's the case, you know, wait, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say, think about the psychology of that. Think about if you're somebody that is maybe a Chad Gable who's maybe maybe he's having some self-doubt. Wait, they put the title on Sami Zayn. Think about how psychologically that could help young guys who are in that locker room who want to reach a level of excellence and they're like, I don't know because I'm not Reigns, I'm not Cena, I'm not this person, that person. Well, wait a minute. They put the belt on Sami. Maybe there is a chance for me. You know, I You mean, don't think that they're seeing it with LA Knight now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, hands down. This guy was losing left and right in NXT. And you mm-hmm. look at him now. Mm-hmm. Look at him now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was losing earlier this year. He lost to Bray <laughs> Wyatt and, and he was losing to, you know, other. Uh, oh, yeah. Cody Rhodes. Yeah, he was losing left and right. I forgot about the, the, the Mountain Dew. What was pitch it? The black. Mountain Pitch Black Dark Match or whatever the heck it was called. That was awful. so we're hoping keeping our fingers crossed if they play the long game that i'm going to credit them i will give them credit for everything if they go ahead and play the long game and this works out as a wrestlemania which is would be great if they could do that if he sustains if he sustains his momentum with the fans that's the thing that's going to be the hard part can they sustain his momentum with the fans we'll wait Mm -hmm. to see my friend but before we head on out my friend you have to give everyone an update of what's going on with, of course, your awesome show, The PVD Cast. Well, The PVD Cast, which is my own personal podcasting project, um, it's at available at pvdcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts, you know, whether it's through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this week's episode is a gentleman by the name of Julio Guerra. He is an independent comic book creator. He's created a really cool uh, comic called Death Bag about a kind of a Beavis and Butthead meets the Grim Reaper meets uh, your normal slacker. It's uh, it's a very good comic. He also has a great comic called Botched. It's a pro wrestling comic, and uh, he's a huge pro wrestling fan. So we talk about not only his projects, but also his publishing imprint, Gorilla Press, and, uh, of course, Botched Wrestling Comics. It's 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 a cornucopia of topics, shall we say? So definitely, please check that out, pvdcast.com, or again through your favorite podcasting place. Awesome show, indeed. I've been on it, and I know he has always some great guests. Always an interesting time at the PVD Cast. Well, yeah. my friend, pro wrestling is going to be in one of its biggest months this month, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what happens when it all the dust settles and whatnot. 
we'll pick up the pieces in our state of pro wrestling for september because we'll have all the answers by then i'm looking forward to it indeed and we always have all the answers that's what they don't recognize yes we always have the right (laughs) answers that's yes absolutely they don't recognize it they don't follow it as the vice is there they just don't take it Once again, it's John Orlando for the PVD Cast. Please check him out, pvdcast.com. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for watching, listening. Truly appreciate it. We'll be back. It's the State of Pro Wrestling for August 2023. If you have thoughts, questions, remarks, you can always hit us up, Pop Culture Cosmos on social media and on YouTube right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs>